Welcome to Coast Community Radio's coverage of the Astoria, Oregon Mayor's Debate. I'm Graham Nystrom. This debate was brought to you by a partnership between the American Association of University Women, the Daily Astorian, and Coast Community Radio. In front of a large audience at Clatsop Community College's Patriot Hall, College President Chris Breitmeyer moderated the debate between three candidates, Bruce Jones, Michael Sasha Miller, and Dulcie Taylor. The following is the complete and unedited recording from Patriot Hall on October 10. Thank you for listening. Your vote counts. Okay, good evening, everyone. Uh, We're going to get started here in a few minutes, but before we uh, get to the main event, uh, I'm just going to give you a few... um, uh, a brief description of what's going on. First of all, welcome to Clatsop Community College. Thank you all for coming. Um, I'm glad that we moved this from Columbia 219. I don't know if you've ever been in that room, but we'd be, well, y'all wouldn't be in the same, we all wouldn't be in the same room. We'd probably have to set up a, a telefeed to the, to, to out in the hall. So um, I'm really encouraged by your um, uh, interest in this event. Um, we've got three great candidates here, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to a good conversation this evening. Uh, how this will work is um, they, each candidate will have three minutes for an opening statement. They'll come to the podium and uh, address you all. Then we'll start uh, with the questions and we'll uh, ask each candidate a question and the uh, remaining two candidates will have a chance to um, address that question as well. Uh, the, where the questions came from are from you all. I solicited questions from uh, the community and I made some myself. So if those questions, if you think the question is good or particularly clever, probably mine. If it's bad, probably one of you all, okay? Um, and at the end, then the, uh, the individuals will also have a chance to make some closing statements as well. So there will be no um, questions uh, this evening from the audience. But like I said, um, some of you have submitted questions. I, I recognize some folks who, um, who sent some in to me. So um, we're, we're, again, very excited uh, to be here. And the, the, the topics will range from, you know, four, have sort of fallen into four main areas. As I was getting the questions, I tried to um, group them. And I think they fall into the, the sort of the first part of the questioning period will be more about their uh, philosophy and their vision um, for, for leadership and, uh, of the city of Astoria. Then we'll move into some questions about housing. Uh, we'll move into some questions about um, economic development here. And then finally, the, the fourth and final section will be uh, probably focused more on lifestyle kind of issues. So um, there'll be a, I think there'll be a good chance. I may go off script. I am, that's typically what I do. But um, I'm, I'm going to, here's some applause from David Reed. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I'm, I'm really going to try to stick, stick to the questions. And I'm going to try to have the candidates um, s- stick to the time. Because I, I want to make sure that we get through um, all of these important issues. And um, I am I'm not a longtime resident of Astoria. I've only been here two years, but I will tell you that I love this place and I care deeply about um, its future. I want to be part of that, and I know these three do as well. So I am really looking forward to um, hearing what they have to say. No, I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to use this. I think so. So, um, we, we're at 6.58. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait just a couple more minutes um, to allow any folks who are, are, are still out there to, to get in the building, but we'll, we'll start at right at 7, and um, Dulcie will be our first uh, speaker who will come up, uh, introduce herself, and then um, uh, give, give her opening statement, and that will be followed by, by Bruce and then Sasha, and they'll, they'll be coming to the podium. That's the only time I'll see control of my podium. I love this podium. 
Just for the record, I want to say uh, thank you to Chris for uh, putting, letting us use his special podium. Um, it seems a lot easier to talk to you this direction than this direction. Um, hello, my name is Dulcie Taylor, and I am running to be your mayor of Astoria. Thank you to the college, thank you to the AAUW, the Daily A, and the KMUN for this opportunity to be here tonight. Tonight we will be discussing different issues and opinions, and you will be considering why one person may be, a better, may be better suited to be the mayor of our town rather than another. What a luxury we have to be able to live in a democracy and pursue happiness. I came to Astoria almost 12 years ago not really knowing Astoria. It seemed interesting because of the big river over there. The town looked a little tired and needed some attention. Good things were beginning to happen though, and if you walked the streets, you could find authentic pockets of beauty and interest here, along with the people who love Astoria. Business owners who had been here for years, thriving and loving life, even homey Astorians who had returned to their hometown because this is where they wanted to raise their children and make a living. Love is the key here. Personally, I say I accidentally fell in love with Astoria. I had, a little, I had little idea how this town would captivate and change me. Neither did many of you, I suspect. Today, 12 years later, we are faced with challenges of becoming a destination popular vacation spot. Today we see prosperity and poverty. We see development and historic preservation. We see boutique and brave. To those of you that know, you, know me, my glass is always half full, so the future is bright, but only if we manage to preserve the town we love. We must ebb and flow as the great Columbia tide. And we need a leader who can work collaboratively and imagine how we can care for our citizens, balance the budget, restrict massive buildings from being built on our waterfront, revitalize our library, inspire our educators and support our schools, and still walk the streets and shake a hand to say, hello, how you doing? We need a leader who is in touch with our community, who can work closely with city staff to look at all facets of a problem and gain consensus on tough issues. We need a leader who reaches out to tackle tough conversations about people suffering from homelessness and who looks for successful solutions. We need a leader who respects the history of Astoria and will continue to preserve what we hold dear about our river town while looking to the future. It's all about community. What we do, what can we do, how we listen, how we act. We need a leader who reflects the best in all of us, who stands side by side or face to face with all the glory, guts, and gusto required to be the mayor of Astoria. I am that leader, and I ask for your vote on November 6th. Thank you very much. Uh, Bruce Jones, next. Good evening. I'm Bruce Jones. Two years ago, in my successful run for city council, I knocked on nearly every door in Ward 4. In recent weeks, I've knocked on nearly 900 more in neighborhoods throughout Astoria because I want to meet our residents and hear what they think and are concerned about in Astoria. I recognize many I spoke with here in the audience tonight. Thank you for coming. Over 40 years ago, I met the love of my life. Linda and I spent 30 years moving around the country as a Coastie family. Fortunately for us, our last transfer brought us here. 
our home. We could have settled anywhere after the Coast Guard, but we chose Astoria because of the people, the sense of community, the beautiful Columbia River, and the many opportunities both Linda and I have found here. When you mark your ballot for mayor, you're making a difference and you're choosing the person who will lead our city until 2023. After two years on the city council, I'm up to speed on the issues and ready to hit the ground running as your mayor. With your ballot, you're deciding who's most capable of maintaining oversight of our city manager and, through him, our $40 million annual budget. I've managed multi-million dollar budgets and complex organizations. It's fun. I've served on Astoria's budget committee. On the most critical topics we'll discuss tonight, affordable housing, living wage jobs, homelessness, you're choosing the person you can rely on to dive deep into the legal and policy complexities. I've spent two years attending statewide conferences as city councilor, soaking up knowledge and best practices throughout the state on these issues. I earned a master's degree in public administration, served as the chief of strategic planning for the entire Coast Guard, and I know how to create policy and how to implement strategy. We're all concerned about the coming earthquake and tsunami. You've told me when I knocked on your doors that you're not, you know we're not prepared. The earthquake is likely to flatten much of our city, devastate our roads, our homes, our utilities, our schools and workplaces. When you mark your ballot, you're deciding who will lead the city's response to the earthquake in the short term and over the long recovery. I've led the response to a catastrophe as commander of the Coast Guard's air rescue operations in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. I know firsthand the challenges involved in the logistics of a long-term recovery of a shattered city. Ask my fellow counselors what type of counselor I've been. I'm confident they'll tell you I'm fair, balanced, thoughtful, collaborative, and respectful. Mayor is different from city councilor. It's the mayor who sets the agenda for every council meeting for the next four years and appoints members to the planning commission and other boards. It's important who you choose. Thank you for caring enough to attend tonight's debate and inform yourself to make a choice. Thank you. Next is Sasha Miller. Uh, hello and thank you for coming. Uh, my name is Michael Miller, uh, Sasha to many, Alex to my oldest friends and family. Uh, the normal thing to do is for me to tell you about myself and the core, uh, but the core of me comes from a lifetime of relentless thinking that started before I had words. I do not translate easily, and I'm not condensed into simple narratives and sound bites. The Daily Astorian has labeled me an activist, and, and that's kind. But what I want to ask is, who are we? I want to know if we care about each other, not just for our physical needs, but the emotional needs. We are in this fleeting moment of existence together. We have tremendous power over one another. The people in this room have the power to fill young adults with a sense of self-worth or take it away, to lift each other up or drive someone to jump off the bridge. The power is real and palpable. The, the reason only three of us are up here tonight because it would be, to many, it would be too frightening. We could be, what, what, what could we be afraid of? Us. We're afraid of each other. I want to know, do you want to go on being afraid of each other? 
Does it mean something to you to ensure that each one, that before one of us suddenly vanishes from this world, that that person has been witnessed and valued, that they die knowing their life mattered bigly? I'm tired of watching people clawing for some sense of self-worth in this small community when we in this room could be helping them reclaim their first right, their innate value. Someone who buys an old broken house and building and spends years and perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars restoring it gets the praise of the community. But a building doesn't breathe, it doesn't feel the weight of its own existence, it's not going to rescue you in an emergency, it uh, can't love you. So why won't we take a human being who lies in ruins spends year, and spend years and hundreds of thousands of dollars reclaiming them? Why won't we rescue all the children in our community whose sense of self-worth is being injured right now? It's 2018. What children need is not rocket science. They need people to care for them, and they need love. We, yes, we're a popular tourist destination, but to be a truly great community, it takes all of us standing tall and kind in our brief collective moment, caring for each other, and helping, humbly helping those around us. It takes all of us to look after all of us. And we shouldn't have to wait for an earthquake to realize how kind and brave we can be to one another. I ask again, who are we? There's one other thing I'd like to mention. This event will be available on KMUN as a podcast. Um, it's being recorded, so I've been told also to watch my language. So I don't want that. I'm, and I have board members here too. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna kick this off earlier uh, in the evening. We determine the order of questions, and the first question will go to Dulcie. Um, and uh, Dulcie, what can city government do better here in Astoria? That's a good question. That must have been mine then. I, I guess that would just be my opinion. Um, well, I know that some of, some of the challenges that the city faces uh, revolve around money. I'm not really sure how the city makes more money. Um, so let's just do some good about thinking about how we can um, maybe help housing, more houses, more workforce housing being developed, get developed in Astoria, more um, um, affordable housing. I have some crazy ideas about how that could work, but I suppose there'll be a question about that later on. Um, so um, maybe I know that the city council has discussed this. I haven't seen any um, real uh, strategic uh, words about this, but it is a vision. We need a vision of what we want Astoria to be in the future, and I think that it would behoove us to imagine what that would be. So if the city, as councilors and citizens, could imagine what we want to be in the future, then uh, I think that would be a great way to proceed. Thank you. Bruce, would you like to follow up? Yeah, so the question was, what can we do better as a yeah. city? Yeah, one thing, uh, there, quite a few people say they don't know when city council meetings are, or I didn't know that was going to happen. We do publish things in the newspaper, we put it on Facebook. I would love to hear from the community. How can we reach out to you better? How can we make sure that you know about the meetings, you know about open houses and town halls so that you can attend? It's a little discouraging when I go door to door and people say they didn't know about some event. 
Um, I think we could focus on our strategic goals. Uh, we always do a goal setting session at the beginning of the year. If I'm elected mayor, I will make sure that every month we have an update on the progress towards our strategic goals and that we have measures that we uh, publish and put online so the community knows where we are with those. I agree with, uh, with uh, Dulcie on vision. Uh, actually, Councilor Nemla will uh, a, a year and a half ago, had a, you know, it was her goal that we would do a vision uh, for the community and frankly it's just, it's a big effort to go through an entire community visioning process and with the Riverfront vision plan updates with housing and some other issues we haven't got to it. But I agree that we need to have a clear understanding and I personally, if I am elected, will work with the City Council to develop and art to articulate what our vision for the community is 25 years from now, 50 years from now. Let's figure out what we want to look like in 50 years and what we want to not look like in 50 years and let's take deliberate steps to get there. I think we can all have an idea of what a failure would look like and uh, we can take de deliberate steps to not have that happen to us. Thank you. Sasha. Um, I, the thing I have fundamentally uh, disagreements with how the city council operates is pretty much uh, across the board in our nation. And that is the fact that we really don't represent the, the whole of the community. Uh, we have a sort of a, I, I don't mean to be insulting, but it's a little bit of a good old boy system. And it's just inherently the way small bodies operate within a larger body, that they, they know uh, their group of friends, they know the group of people that have the money to get heard. Um, I've gone door to door, specifically the great part about my little canvassing you know, I, I've said openly, I, I don't think I'm going to get elected, but for a little while I've got to be able to go door to door and talk to our poorest members in the community, and they really honestly don't feel that anybody's representing them or that they don't believe in politics, and I, I can't tell them why should they, because, you know, I mean, I'm the first person they've seen come to their door and sit down and talk to them. I'm certainly the first person who'll sit there and spend time with a felon who can't vote for me. Um, so, first and foremost, you know, I, I think the the uh, city council, unfortunately, it's limited by the charter, has really got to broaden who they listen to. They need to listen to their own boards, and they need to listen to the citizens of Astoria as if they carry the same weight and authority that they do. And when they're overruling them, they've got to be remembered in their minds that that's, that's not a natural thing for democracy, to force your view upon a larger group of people. Thank you very much. Okay, the second question will go to you, Bruce. Um, this was a question similar to what I was asked when I uh, interviewed for the position here, so I stole it. If you received a million dollar grant to use for the city any way you wanted, what would you do with it and why? A million dollars. So I do several things. We have a terrible uh, shortage of childcare in our community and the surrounding areas. I hear it time and time again from people that work uh, where I work, from people, from Coast Guard people, they can't find uh, they can't find a place for their child. I have the controller. I uh, shouldn't say who it is, but a member of the museum who had a childcare uh, issue when the provider went away, and she had a terrible time finding somebody to be able to come to work again. And that's a story that's told through and through. And as you know, the city uh, has a childcare facility through the Parks and Rec Department. Childcare is not really a core mission of this of the city or Parks and Rec, but no one else is doing it. I would like to put more money to expand that facility, to hire more childcare providers, also to conduct uh, work with the state to conduct training to let more people who are interested in doing home childcare get certified and perhaps give them a grant that would allow them to make the physical improvements to their homes that are required by the state to be licensed properly. Um, when, when we don't have adequate childcare, 
mothers or fathers who wish to work, one of them has to stay home and can't work. And that means they might not be able to keep paying their mortgage or paying their rent. So I think that's a huge, uh, a huge issue. I would also put a significant portion of the million dollars into affordable housing uh, projects. As you know, the uh, uh, county housing study is, uh, I think there's a draft report out, but it's not the final version. Uh, we're gonna be looking at that very closely. And we certainly need, one thing we learned at the League of Oregon Cities conference uh, uh, two weeks ago was that throughout the state of Oregon, uh, construction costs have gone up. On the coast specifically, the price of lumber has gone up 30 to 40% in the last two years. There's a terrible shortage of qualified contractors. You cannot get affordable housing built unless you subsidize the builder. It's just not possible. So I would like to take that money towards housing and childcare. Sasha, would you like to respond? Uh, yeah, a million dollars really doesn't seem very much considering uh, if you think about the earthquake, we probably need hundreds of millions of dollars to retrofit this city. And for that, I would, I would definitely like to become a thorn in the federal government's side. Um, a million dollars, you know, it's hard for me. There's just so many desperate needs, right? And a lot of them are fixed a lot easier than a million dollars. I know, uh, and I'm kind of a radical, but I know people that are living downtown, they're living in, in businesses. I, I know one of the guys downtown, and if I was mayor and I could find a way and just give him a key to the library and let him sleep in the library, that would solve his problem without a million dollars. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, take it, helping the care of the homeless, you know, um, with a cheap and easy solutions just to get them stabilized, you know, in some situation. Uh, he mentioned childcare. We have a terrible need of foster parents in, uh, in this community. There's about 120 uh, kids that go uh, average uh, go through the uh, the court system a, a year and we have to send a lot of those people a lot of those children out of the community because we can't get foster care and we need to incentivize incentivize being a foster care parent we need to support those foster care parents um, you know uh, so affordable housing there's just a whole list of things that we could do thank you Dulcie I want to use this money to make more money but I'd have to figure out how to do that first. Um, so leveraging the million dollars to make uh, more million dollars. Uh, but what I would really like to do is go and buy that piece of property that sits on Irving Street between 9th and 10th Street and, uh, and create a, um, buy that property and build an alter alternative low income housing facility that where we can put um, either um, seniors and um, students in there or seniors and uh, low-income people or homeless and whoever else wants to be able to have a roof over their head. It's a perfect location. It's been, we've tried to get it developed for years um, and uh, I know it's for sale and it doesn't cost that much and I think that we could do that. Thank you very much. All right, Sasha, the next question is for you, and you addressed this a bit earlier, but um, how do you plan to involve residents in the decision-making process in our town? You, okay, so there's, actually, there's a, the creation of several boards that I would like to, to create. I would like to create um, a disaster preparedness board. I would like to, to create, um, a mental health board. Um, the reality is, is the city council has got to get out and, and be with the people. I've, 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 I said to Steve Forrester, I'm not kidding, I would move the city council around and have 
more city council meetings. Um, the, the mayor does get to get to hold more meetings if he wants to, and there would be a lot more of them. Um, the volunteers would be very unhappy with me. I'm afraid on that on that note. Um, the as if I was elected mayor, and it's one of the joys that I would really, really uh, have is being able to just continue to knock on people's doors and, and talk to them. Uh, the, the biggest pro, the, the issue there that I try to wrap my head around in case I do get elected is how do you, how do you keep um, Dulcie and how do you keep Bruce with, the, with their sense of self-worth and self-esteem and what they've done and the power and the recognition they've gained and those people in power doing what they want to do. And, you know, um, basically, you know, you just, the first thing I would do, absolutely the first thing I would do is uh, hold a big symposium, invite all the, all the members, invite the, 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 the basic community, but invite all the different groups that are working on different issues, including the churches, including the city council, and those people, and start talking about how we can work collectively be, uh, better together. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Dulcie. What do you think about that? How would you involve our citizens? Well, I think, um, I think there's a couple different ways that we can involve citizens. One is getting the, getting the news out that uh, city council is happening, that work sessions are happening, getting them involved in planning commission and historic landmarks and design review and, and, um, and sitting on uh, the library board and the parks board. We have a lot of people that participate in our town. We just need more citizens, probably not you guys because you're involved, but other citizens to participate in the process of government. So, um, so work sessions, right, currently there are work sessions that the, that the mayor calls. Um, I personally have difficulty getting to them because they're in the morning when I'm supposed to be at my store but um or at work and so perhaps if we move those to a lunch hour those could be uh, more well attended um, neighborhood meetings i have this uh, idea that if uh, we could set up meetings in neighborhoods pockets and have people that would um, drive those meetings that would discuss how we survive in a disaster how what are your neighbors doing to prepare for uh, that big one that's coming and 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 where do we, um, how, who do we need to take care of and check on in, um, when, that, when the, uh, some horrible thing happens? Invite everyone. People don't, they feel disenfranchised from our government. So invite everyone to all the meetings. Uh, I'm a big promo proponent of uh, Facebook. And when something happens, uh, a meeting for the design review with some big hotel being built on the river, uh, new designs, then I pump that out there for people and and point it at per people that uh, might be more interested and have more town halls. Just the, the mayor, I think the mayor can do almost anything she wants. Isn't that right, Arlene? Uh, uh, the president of the college, they can, that's true. Or, or the president of the college, right. So, uh, so um, more town halls. I mean, if, um, if we can get Chris to open up Patriot Hall for this, we could probably have him open it up more often just to have chats in our community. Okay, thank you. Was it was the question? How can the citizens get more involved in the community or city business? I can't remember. Yeah, uh, just in just, decision making in our town. Yeah, oh, decision making in the town. Okay, so I, I'd like to point out what we're doing right already. You look at the river, riverfront vision plan, the urban core process that's taking place now. It's a series of at least nine public meetings 
uh, work sessions that are open to the public, town hall meetings open to the public. I mean, I, th I don't think you could do any better than what we're doing with the Urban Core as far as getting multiple opportunities for comprehensive citizen input into that process. I would look back a few years to when uh, the, the study was done on the uh, library renovation, which uh, the foundation is now trying to raise money to implement. That was a process that got input from probably 850, 900 people, as I recall, to figure out what the whole community wants in a library. And so, uh, and then th that process is now moving forward. And um, I would agree on disaster preparedness. It's absolutely gonna be one of my top priorities if I am elected mayor and something I'll be pushing if, uh, otherwise on the council. And uh, absolutely, we need town hall meetings. It'll be well publicized. We need to bring the uh, CERT teams in. We did have at the Astoria Armory just a month ago uh, with the United Way of Clatsop County and, and the county emergency management, there was a disaster preparedness uh, all day event. Uh, so we need to have more of those. There needs to be much heightened awareness uh, and, and how we get the citizens involved and what their roles will be after a disaster, because uh, if it's a big one that affects the entire coast, the, uh, the services that will be available to come help us in Astoria will be very limited for a long time. And it's gonna be up to the citizens of this community to sort of form the fire brigades, if you will, to help their neighbors out with uh, getting them uh, water, food, uh, uh, any other assistance that they need. And then lastly, I would just point out the many, many projects in this community that aren't run by the city, that are run by you know, the Liberty Theater, Regatta, the United Way of Clatsop County, the Friends of the Armory, Astoria Warming Center, Assistance League. These are all volunteers. It's volunteers that make this city great and that make great things happen. Thank you. Okay, Dulcie, this next one's for you. So let's get a little bit more specific. Um, the area next to the Garden, Garden of Surging Waves is nice as holes go. Um, but what is your vision for that site and how would you make that vision a reality? Well, I sat on the citizen advisory for the Garden of Surging Waves and um, spent a lot of time with uh, some other citizens looking at different um, locations in Portland and thinking about what we wanted that site to be as the city council and the mayor had um, asked us to do. I think the Garden of Surging Waves is beautiful. I think the plan for all of Heritage Square is beautiful as a, uh, as a community space. Um, I. Uh, there are uh, obviously there are funding problems and obviously the whole needs to be addressed but the whole can't really be addressed until the city council and the city and the citizens decide what they want that area to be so filling the hole right now which people have been bugging me about for months and years um, is really not reasonable to just throw money in the hole and then have to dig it out depending on what we want it to be later on. So I think we need to revisit the vision that we imagined um, four or six years ago for that location. Um, I, know, uh, I know that some people want some housing on that um, site, but I suspect that any housing that we put on that site is going to be sucked up by someone from Seattle or Portland because our citizens will never be able to afford to live there. Thank you. Bruce, how do you feel about the hole? Yeah, so the hole in the ground needs to be filled with a mixed-use building that would have commercial and or retail on the ground floor and residential above, and I would suspect it should be four stories tall. It needs to meet community needs. It needs to not be a park. The reason it needs to not be a park is because we have a city full of wonderful parks 
that right now we have difficulty fully maintaining because of funding shortages. We can't create another park imposing an additional burden on the Parks Department for funding, nor can we deprive the community of the opportunity to generate needed revenue for other programs like child care, like parks maintenance, like affordable housing, by not having a revenue generating building on that, on that space. It's prime downtown real estate. So retail and commercial on the ground floor, which would create jobs in the community and bring revenue into the community, and then residential above, which would help meet the housing need. I know they won't be affordable housing units unless some additional grant money comes from the state. But by having housing units there at market rate, it takes some of the pressure off of the, the, the overall supply-demand mismatch we have in the community now. We need housing of all kinds. Uh, that downtown square is probably not going to be the spot for the affordable housing units, although we should certainly try, as we're trying with the grants at the Merwin, which we were unsuccessful with in this past year. Mayor Lemire and Mr. Estes are working very hard with Senator Johnson and others in Salem to get that recognition at the state level that we do have a shortage of affordable housing in Astoria and we do uh, deserve some of that grant money that's available from the state. Thank you. Um, you may know that the, the hole isn't really a top priority of mine, considering the number of homeless we have, considering that we live in the nation for a developed country that has the worst care for mental illness, um, considering that we live in the time with the Trump administration that really cares nobody, about nobody but themselves and they're profit-driven. And so uh, I think we have to focus very strongly on what we can do for ourselves, what we can do for each other. Um, and how and look to creative solutions uh, that are being developed all over the world for a lot of the, the, the social issues that we have. As for the whole, I, I remind people of the big picture that we had a part of our city just collapse. I don't know how many of us have forgotten that. Um, we also have a uh, that hole isn't unique in that we've got a lot of our city that's uh, under structure is very questionable and could do the same thing at some time. Um, and, and this is, a, I think that, you know, we have to remind what moment we are in time. We are in underneath the GOP and the, the, uh, the Republican Party. And uh, prior, we're back to before FDR. And before FDR, there was a major financial collapse every 15 years. Um, so we have to be careful about what we plan and what we spend our money on um, and what our priorities are because we are likely to face another financial collapse which will just ruin all of our little dreams and all our little pet project, projects that we come up with. On that, if I was going to do something about the whole and dreaming big, um, that whole area I would develop into, not just that whole, but that whole parking lot area into a um, parking structure, a parking garage, a multi-story parking garage. They can be made to very look, look very beautiful and also allow the uh, market to uh, get, move out of the rain. It would be something that people pay for, solve our downtown parking problem. It'd be a bond measure sort of thing and the money made from it would go back to pay the people who paid for it in the first place. But like I said, it's not really a big priority for me. Thank you. Hey, Bruce, you're up next, and we're going to move into a couple questions about uh, housing. Um, what is your approach to those who are part, who are part of, our, of the community but find themselves without housing? Is that a homelessness question? That's a homelessness okay. question. So yes. the problem of homelessness, the problem of people who are unhomed, it's a very, I would call it intractable. And by that, I mean it is so complex. And there's nothing new I can say about it that we haven't all said before. 
there are sometimes mental health issues involved, sometimes there are addiction issues, sometimes there are criminal background issues, some of it's an economic and employment issue. And there's just, and sometimes it's a choice issue. We had an article in the Daily Historian three days ago about individuals who are camping on city land. One of the individuals said, I don't want to work, this is what I want to do, I want to camp here. Another person is uh, in a very difficult situation where she has a job and she needs to save, she's living in a tent to save money to be able to put a deposit down because you can't get in an apartment around here, in most cases, unless you can put down a couple months rent and a security deposit and pay your utilities in advance as well. So there's a whole mix of issues that makes it very difficult to solve. At the federal level, we're all aware that federal funding for the programs that would alleviate homelessness at their core, at the foundation, mental, mental health care, uh, addiction treatment, that funding's been slashed over the past few decades, and what we all need to do is be lobbying our, our elected representatives uh, in the Senate and the House to, uh, to increase that funding. At the state level, there's limited funding available by the state for mental health care and for addiction treatment and for other social services because of the disaster that is PERS and the need uh, that we all have to lobby our state elected representatives for PERS reform. And then finally, even at the county level, uh, CCA doesn't have the funding to provide additional, there's waiting lists to get into the, uh, the housing on Niagara, for example, that low income uh, section eight housing there, there's a waiting list to get in there. And the county doesn't have more money uh, because of the property tax disaster we have with measure five and measure 50. And we all need to lobby our state representatives to, to uh, reform the property tax system in our state so that counties have adequate funding to meet needs. But in the near term, what can we do? We can whittle away at the edges of it here by giving more support, which I would support giving more financial support to the Astoria Warming Center or whatever, whatever other emergency shelter uh, comes into existence within the city of Astoria and to continue to support uh, Helping Hands which provides a different service than the Astoria Warming Center, provides actual you know, treatment and programs for people who are ready to, take, uh, to have job, job uh, training and to get treatment for any addiction issues they have. Thank you. Sasha. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm fundamentally disagree with, um, with the community is the idea that we, we can't do anything because the, the, the problem is intractable, as he says, or that it's too big for us. Um, I actually think that smaller communities are better at addressing a lot of things, including mental illness, because one of the things you need to address mental illness is community. Um, I think that by saying that these things are too big, it doesn't allow us to wrap our minds around what we can do. It doesn't allow for, the, for us to look at the creative solutions that are going on. Certainly in the Northwest, when it comes to housing, there's a lot of creative solutions. I know the Ninth, Cir uh, Ninth uh, Dist District uh, Court uh, ruled that it's cruel and unusual punishment to punish somebody for, uh, for camping if you've got no place to put them up. And I, I know that Henning's Guard is kind of saying that, well, we're not really punishing them, we're just putting a violation. I'm disappointed that my city wasn't one of the ones arguing before the, uh, the circuit court that indeed it is cruel and unusual just to push people around um, until they disappear, until you've made them like hide someplace. I mean, that's what's gonna happen if we push them out of the woods. They're just gonna go deeper into the woods. Um, I would certainly, you know, I mean, there are a lot of little tiny creative solutions that most of these people are trying to solve themselves. They are the, the first, you ask them, what can we do for you? And a lot of times it's not very much. You know, a lot of times it's a hundred bucks to, to, to get, make some little box that they can squeeze themselves into or, or buy a tent. Um, 
right? So I, I, would, I would move to, to legalize urban camping, to allow people to camp actually within the city as a first step and, and ask them to participate in a program um, in which they have to pay for it. Uh, you, you know, you just, you just allow them to squeeze themselves in where they can and you support them there first while you look for better solutions, while you look for mental health treatment, um, while you look abroad. Uh, because there really are. You don't have to spend very much time on Google to realize that there are a lot of creative ideas out there and that we just need to, to read about them and invite people to talk, teach us about them. Thank you. Dulcie. Um, I agree with both these gentlemen. It is a very large problem, but, um, but I don't think we can ignore it. We have um, citizens, we have seniors in our community, we have children sleeping in cars, seniors sleeping in cars, we have... Um, we have people without homes that are our friends and neighbors that with you know just one twist of fate could be perhaps any of us in this room so so it seems like it behooves us as a community to pay attention to what we can do for these people it is a huge huge problem um, I think our partnership with um, with helping hands I think uh, even even looking at partnering with uh, innovative solutions, housing solutions that's working with the Merwin. Perhaps they have some uh, ideas for some creative solutions that they want to partner with the city of Astoria or with a different, with a developer. It doesn't, I mean, the city should not really be building houses, but they should be influencing and encouraging um, housing for homeless people, for people without houses. Um, it's, um, it's all the other issues that create the environment that these people uh, don't have a roof over their head and and even though it's um, uh, I do agree with Sasha that we can ignore it and we have to address it however we can Thank you. okay we have uh, another housing question um, I am in a lot of meetings frankly where housing comes up um, it's any, any, when any time we talk about growth and development of the region or of, of Clatsop Community College in, in increasing our enrollment, um, we come up, come up against housing. We have some students at, at Clatsop Community College who are working on a plan to build some tiny houses as, as a potential solution. Um, what three specific solutions, Sasha, do you think would work for our community? In terms of affordable housing, yes. um, you know the, the thing about it is, is I like I like to throw throw out all these trial balloons, and then uh, Tom Bronson says, "Oh, well, you can't do that. You can't. Here's why. Here's why." Um, I so there's a, a lot of things uh, I think we can do. Um, which ones would we would, would we be able to do? You know, there's always going to be another idea. Um, I, I got I've I've looked at uh, uh, what's what's Above Blue Ridge, Emerald Heights, Emerald Heights. God, if you know, if this city could use eminent domain to take that, we could build so much real housing up there. We could do a whole new neighborhood. We could make it could be a mixed income with the with the four story buildings that get you know sky views, uh, skyrocketing prices there with lower income down below. Um, we can do a better job with the Airbnbs. Uh, making you know we need to we need to actually charge these people get the money the taxes we need to lower it so that they actually participate and I think that part of those taxes should go to uh, 
to uh, subsidizing what little what we can for people who are opening to, to rents. Uh, Cindy Price would point out that we need to take an inventory of all of the, uh, the empty homes in our town. Um, uh, we need to re, uh, what, what's the word, uh, uh, rezone so that we can have multiple dwelling uh, houses on the same place. Um, it's a huge ask for me. Uh, people to tell me it was impossible, but and this may be offend everybody, but this graveyard up here is sitting on basalt, so we have the dead people that are going to be safe from an earthquake, while down below, everybody's going to die from the earthquake and the tsunami. And I would love to move the dead down to the river in a nice little park and build housing on that nice, safe basalt. Thank you very much. Dulcie, what do you think about um, affordable housing and, and some solutions you might suggest? Well, um, uh, I love Sasha's idea about Emerald Heights, but that probably never happened. Tongue Point is another area that has some opportunities for some um, tiny houses or some kind of structures out there that would uh, provide some housing. Um, infilling, allowing infill in um, our area and our neighborhoods. Um, the idea of taxing empty houses is so fascinating to me because we have a lot of empty houses, vacant houses in Astoria that, that either are owned by the bank or owned by no one. They must be owned by someone. So it seems like those people should be, um, they are stealing from us, sort of. So why not, uh, why not tax them and get some uh, revenue from those um, places? Uh, the uh, Airbnbs, I... I am fascinated by this, uh, the challenge of uh, finding the Airbnbs that are not registered with the city, not paying the, the uh, fees that are attached, not paying their taxes for their lodging. Um, but I know that a lot of citizens um, use an Airbnb as a second uh, income, like seniors use them and people that need to make a little bit of money uh, will, will use their house as Airbnb. So making sure that they you know, uh, and the people that have those have also talked to me that they they are following the rules, and Airbnb makes sure that they follow the rules. So somehow somebody's fallen through the cracks. I think that's about it. Okay, thank you, Bruce. Yeah, so a number of things. Uh, first, uh, this morning the council had a work session where we looked specifically at the issue of illegal short-term rentals and. Uh, Rosemary Johnson brought a whole package of code changes both to regulate uh, legal uh, short-term rentals in homes and to uh, more tightly uh, regulate uh, the illegal ones. So if we can eliminate those 40 or 50 uh, full homes that are being rented out uh, to tourists on weekends uh, and put those back on the market for full-time residents, that's a help. We need to build new multifamily housing at the uh, lots that are still available within city limits. Dulcie mentioned earlier the lot next to uh, Irving around 9th and 10th. I completely agree. Emerald Heights, there is a possibility there. We need to reach out to the owner of that project and see what we could do to convince the owner to build more apartments. There's, there's buildable land there, and those, those apartments will be filled immediately if they were put on the market. There is, uh, as was mentioned, uh, land uh, at Tongue Point. If you drive out of the Tongue Point main gate, you look up and there's a big cleared hill uh, just ahead and to the right, Linda knows that, and, uh, and that land uh, could be developed for uh, dozens and dozens of multifamily 
uh, units. And there's also uh, Blue Ridge. Just above that spot, there's Blue Ridge as well. Blue Ridge, a lot of that would probably end up being uh, higher-end housing because it's got the most magnificent view in town. That's okay. Let them put higher-end housing there and generate some revenue for the city because if we could implement a construction excise tax on new development, as Bend has done, as other cities in Astoria, or not Astoria, in Oregon have done, and put half a percent to one percent construction excise tax towards specifically affordable housing. And finally, we need to close the loophole where within the city, uh, if you have a residential building, like a condo building, uh, that is in a commercial zone, you're treated like a hotel and you're allowed to rent your condo out as an Airbnb. But it's a residence. It should be treated like a residence, like all the other residential units in the town. So we need to close that loophole as well. Thank you very much. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about economic development here in Astoria. Um, uh, Astoria is an ever-evolving city, and we may be at a tipping point in terms of our economy. What do you believe, Dulcie, to be the top three challenges or opportunities for economic development here, and how might you as an elected official address them? How can we support sustainable wage um, jobs uh, here in Astoria? Could you repeat that? No. <laughs> so um, what are the top three, the, the, the top three uh, challenges or opportunities for economic development here in Astoria? Right. Um, top three opportunities for, uh, for economic development. I think uh, uh, our, we have a maker space that it's ba basically could be an incubator space for light industry jobs. I talked with Glenn Herman this morning about that and if that was his intention and ultimately that is his intention is uh, to educate and have a space where people can um, share uh, tools and um, knowledge to build the things that they're interested in. I think this is fascinating to me and, and kind of on the uh, a creative idea of how to get people into the workforce, kind of entrepreneurs, work, entrepreneurs working to build their, um, the projects that they're passionate about. Um, I also, uh, I know this is a controversial thing, but the data center that's coming in or that is proposed to come in over in Warrington, I think that's a perfect opportunity and we should really uh, look at this because uh, there's a partnership that could be had between the college and the data center where a curriculum could be developed that students from uh, Clatsop College could graduate and make seventy dollars to $80,000 a year with a two-year uh, degree. I think that's brilliant. And, and thirdly, um, the uh, enterprise zone that's been set up out at Tongue Point and the, uh, and the opportunity for maritime, the maritime industry to once again uh, flourish in Astoria I think is a great opportunity. Um, working with the ferry and the Tongue Point uh, seamanship program, it's obvious that uh, the maritime industry is a great, uh, could be a great economic driver for Astoria and uh, I look forward to that. Thank you. Bruce. Yeah, so uh, the Astoria uh, completed its economic development strategy a year ago. It's a great document. Look it up online on astoria.or.us. Just type in economic development strategy. Uh, there's uh, five batches of economic development that the community came together. It was, a, it was a, again, this is another example of how the city uh, involves the community to work together to see, achieve solutions. We had uh, David uh, in his last job 
and uh, business owners, uh, citizens, uh, the college, the high school, all working together to come up with what the best economic development strategy for the community is. Um, maritime, uh, boat building. We're building boats again out at Tongue Point. Uh, Hayek Mar the port finally left the Tongue Point business. Hayek Maritime bought it. WCT is there. They've got about 35 employees. These are highly skilled welding jobs, paying $25 to $35 an hour. Uh, as, as was mentioned, we just uh, on the council voted to make, expand the enterprise zone to cover Tongue Point, which means they're going to be able to expand significantly. They're going to start hiring people more quickly, and some of those jobs eventually should be coming from students that are trained under Chris's leadership through the welding program and slide right over there into uh, specific jobs that they're trained for, building boats, repair, repairing boats, tugboats, and barges. That's a, that, that is both bringing good, skilled blue-collar jobs to the community and returning us to our roots. That's what we should be doing. Um, continuing to support the, the logging industry and the fishing industry, knowing that they'll never regain their previous uh, power uh, or their dominant role in the community, but they're always, you know, they can always maintain that niche that keeps us tied to our roots. Uh, the medical community, um, the biggest employer along with the Coast Guard is, is the hospital and associated medical industries, the expansion of the cancer center we need to, and the dialysis center that may be coming. Um, MERTS, the expansion of the MERTS campus that will come if they're able to raise the money to get the matching $8 million grant from the state. You can leave your donations at the door. Sorry, Bruce, yeah. I had to put yep. in my plug. I get five more seconds now. Uh, yeah, so, so training more students to get jobs in the maritime industry, which pay really well, and also doing more of the recurrent training. When those adults come here to get their recurrent training from around the country, they're staying in our hotels, they're eating in your restaurants and your bars, and they're shopping in our community while they're here. Uh, and then finally getting the Coast Guard cutters here uh, that are coming to Tongue Point and the possibility of building a barracks out there at Tongue Point to take care of some of that housing. And they're going to be getting those cutters repaired right there at Tongue Point. Thank you. Sasha. Um, I, I want to be careful about economic development because we tend to think of economic development as a, you know, a really good thing. Uh, but nobody can afford to, a lot of people can't afford to live in Astoria anymore. Um, and so we have to think clearly about what we want to do. Uh, while lots of empowering people to go out and you know make their dreams come true as possible, um, one of the things we got to realize, of course, is that Astoria's economic development doesn't end at the bridge. Uh, what Warrington does affects us. It's, it affects us severely. Warrington has opened itself to every big box imaginable, and the cost of that is that we can't. It's really, really hard to sustain businesses in Astoria that actually. Uh, serve Astorians. What we have is businesses in Astoria that serve tourists. And then we have to, most, most people, a lot of people have to go to Warrington to get what, what they need to, to survive in a day. Um, in that regard, you know, uh, Bruce has mentioned that we have an economic development plan. I would certainly like an economic development council, a group of people that actually go outside of the community and look for the, bus the specific businesses that we want here that we really want that, that will help identify Astoria and maintain Astoria's core. As long as we're doing tourism, um, and so as long as that tourism is uh, based around a couple, of th a couple of different things, one of it is it's based upon our history, I would like to showcase more of that history. I would like to see some of that living history. I would like to have um, uh, businesses, uh, haberdasheries, uh, 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 burle burlesque things. I would like to have people wearing the, 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 uh, the, the, the gown, the, the, 
the, well, doing the fishing and the logging, showing people how it can be done so they can come and feel like they're actually in the early 1900s here, not just see our pretty buildings. buildings. Um, so I, there's, a, there's a lot of things, in, but I'm going to run out of time here, so I'm just going to quit. Thank you. Thank you for respecting the time, all of you tonight. You've done a great job. I haven't had to hit any of you, so I'm really proud. Um, Bruce, you mentioned this earlier uh, in your last answer, but um, I'm going to follow up a little bit more. Despite the economic diversification in our area, forestry and fisheries still play a large a role in the region's economy. Um, what role do you see them for them moving forward? Fisheries and forestry, and by the way, thanks uh, for, uh, to the Extension Office, and I think the college has to do with the uh, fisheries tour, yep. and, uh, and the forestry tour is coming up next week as well. So fisheries, uh, you know, the, probably the main thing we can do for Fisheries is what I mentioned earlier, working at Tongue Point. They've, they've rolled off at least three 85-foot uh, commercial fishing vessels in the last uh, couple of years. I went out there uh, during the tour last year and saw that work taking place. Um, so that's, that's huge. And if we can somehow help uh, facilitate an additional fish, fishing, uh, fishing vessel repair facility when AMCO closes this year, this upcoming year, which is a terrible tragedy for the community that AMCO is going away, and those vessels are going to have to go elsewhere to get repaired. So if we, there's anything we can do uh, to facilitate another uh, boat building uh, shop that could take AMCO's place, whether it's in Astoria or in Warrington, that would be a great help for our community because a lot of those boats are based, uh, based in Astoria and so are the people that uh, work on them. As far as logging goes, yeah, I, I don't have any ideas for how to expand, uh, expand our role in logging. Thank you. Sasha. Um, well, you know, I, it, resource extraction is, is on its way down. I, I, I got a sad chuckle when I went to the, the co-op and in their bathroom they've got this wall saying how they're, they're paying for forests, rainforest to be preserved somewhere in South America. Um, and we live in a rainforest we're cutting down. Um, and cutting, uh, cutting our rainforests down, cutting our trees down, is just as, uh, tr as devastating as producing more CO2. Uh, you, you know, we, global warming, you know, if we don't stop global warming, downtown Astoria is gonna be under 20 feet of water in 100 years. It's just the reality of it. Um, I, I do think that we need to celebrate, you know, what, what, what our community has done, and I think that bringing tourists here to see you know, the, the fishing and the logging. I think that, you know, we do, this port is, is natural for people to want a, a, a center where they can go down and watch the action and have somebody explain what's going on and where those trees are going to and all that sort of stuff is something that tourists would be very interested. I think that, uh, you know, an ax band competition is something that we can do with, uh, with, uh, with, with tourism. I think a lot of the showing people how fishing used to be done here, that people that can transfer from resource extraction to sort of this like uh, a tourist trade where they show and demonstrate how things were done uh, with actually while at the same time reducing what we're extracting from, from our oceans and from our, from our forests. It, it's gonna happen. Uh, uh, along that line, I think I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, but you know, the, the economic development, oh, the, the fishing and the and 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 the logging. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just these are really really tough things. We're in tough times. We're gonna, those, the change is going to happen whether we like it or not. Thank you, Dulcie. 
Um, I have to say that I don't really know very much about our forests. I know that we need to keep them sustainable and keep them alive, and I am going on the forestry tour next week, and I'm very excited about that to learn more about our forests. Um, um, the city, I think, just recently extended the lease on the uh, fish, the, the fish incubators. I don't know exactly what they're called, but they are in Young's Bay, and they're those little pins that you see at low tide where there's little fishes in there that are, that are being um, cultivated to be big fish, so they throw them in the river, and we catch them and eat them. Um, uh, that was very interesting because I, no, I had always seen those, but I didn't really know exactly what they were. Um, I love the idea of Michael, uh, uh, Michael's idea of uh, actually showing people, having people act out, kind of as the talking tombstones, uh, showing people how fishing used to be done on the river and, um, and how uh, Sarah Myers does a great job of sh with her photographs of showing us how the history of logging has uh, progressed and, and the trees have shrunk. Um, uh, I guess that's all I have to say about that. Thank you. Okay, uh, Sasha, this next question is for you. Education is key to creating and maintaining good jobs. As mayor, what is your role in the role of the city in regards to K-12 and community college education? Uh, I'm going to broaden this uh, to a minute. Uh, okay, so Reagan said ketchup was a ve vegetable, and we've now gone from Reagan's ketchup is to a ve vegetable to facts aren't facts and truth isn't truth, you know, alternative facts. Uh, I don't see how you educate kids in a climate in which you can't say this is reality and this isn't. Um, so, I mean, the city council across the nation, uh, it, it needs to stand up against the Trump administration. You're not going to educate people if you can't educate them. If everything gets, turns into a political football, football where somebody can say, no, I don't believe that, um, well, you know, there's certain things that are just facts, and it's just the way it, it's going to happen. Um, so, uh, so education is a priority, uh, but the emotional and psychological welfare of our children is as big a priority as actually putting knowledge into their head. Um, we're asking way too much of our schools. We're asking them to feed them, to clothe them, to make sure they get medical care, make sure that they get mental health care, to make sure they have a place to live. Um, our teachers are pretty overwhelmed. Our schools aren't failing. Our communities are failing. We are, as citizens of a town, are not doing enough for our children. The fact that we have children living in, you know, that are homeless, um, is just, it's just appalling. It's, you know, I'll say it again, it's 2018. We know what kids need. They need, they need someone to care about them. They need love. Thank you. Dulcie. Yeah, what, what do you think um, your role as mayor and the role of city government might be in uh, promoting and supporting education, K-12 and community college? Well, I think we all um, know how important it is to educate our children because they are our future. So, so I think the city's responsibility is to support those goals that the school has in, um, in any way that we can. We know that children, we know that we have a high percentage of children in schools that uh, don't get fed in the morning, so the free um, breakfast, and that we have uh, a free breakfast for all, I believe, and, um, and that we have the free uh, lunch that you have to uh, apply for, I think. But like 75% of the children in uh, our elementary, well, in all our schools, I think, are on the free lunch program. 
So I'm not exactly sure what the city can do except for encourage the community. It is a community uh, responsibility. They are children, they are, they are the people that are uh, going to be sitting here in the next 20 years and, uh, and guiding our government and, and uh, helping us be uh, thrive and be happy and helpful. So, so I guess I would just do whatever I could do to support the school district and um, the education of all, citi all citizens, tiny to big. Thank you. Bruce. So I'd return to where it all begins with uh, the youngest children, with childcare, and uh, the city doing anything we can to increase the availability of uh, certified uh, licensed childcare within the city so that parents who need to, who want to, can work and support their kids by being able to pay, pay their rent. Um, I think we can loudly support the school bond measure, which uh, I know, uh, I think certainly all three of us uh, have, have affirmed that we do. Our kids deserve uh, quality facilities. Uh, some of the facilities they're in now are, are structurally unsound, they're not safe, they don't have adequate vocational educational facilities, and the school bond measure is gonna make those facilities safe, secure, and also provide uh, new and improved uh, vocational uh, training uh, facilities in there that will help them, uh, whether they go into the community college or whether they go right into the workforce. I think we can all uh, loudly support the library renovation project and it's the fundraising efforts of the library foundation. A quality library is absolutely essential to a quality community. And there are many uh, families and many children in our community who don't have a, a library in their house and they might not have a computer in their house and they can go to a library and always have uh, safe programs, uh, someone to talk to, they can learn a love of reading which will help them in their later lives and so I, I think we all need to loudly support the library renovation project. Equally, I loudly support the, uh, the MERTS uh, project uh, because Again, that's an opportunity for um, kids to get professional education that will lead to their, uh, their financial security and their success in life. And lastly, I'll reiterate that we all need to lobby Salem for property tax reform so that inequities in the current property tax system can be uh, balanced out and the schools will have uh, adequate uh, funding to provide our kids and our grandkids the quality education they deserve. Thank you, Bruce. Okay, Dulcie, I think here's the question you've been waiting for, because you've alluded to a couple times. Um, what do you see as the future of riverfront development? Do you support additional hotels and tourist-focused development along our riverfront? Are you talking about the, the area that has not been ruled and regulated yet, or the whole enchilada? The whole enchilada. Well, I'm kind of disappointed on the... Uh, for the recent, uh, well, not dip disappointed about the meeting yesterday, but the Fairfield Inn that's going in in the in the Bridge Vista area, I kind of feel like uh, we should have done our due diligence a long time ago in looking at the height restrictions for a building of that size on our river. Um, but right now, we can't really do anything about that because it's already you know it's already in the works and we can't really change the rules on the fly so I think we need to do our due diligence and look at the uh, the urban core it's the last section of the riverfront vision plan that needs to be addressed I think we need to uh, have all you people in public meetings and uh, get your uh, opinions and 
perspectives. Um, personally, I do not want any more buildings in the urban core. I think that uh, I think we've got enough two and three-story buildings down there. I think we look uh, we have some pretty good view corridors, and uh, and I think that if we imagine a 45-foot building going up, uh, uh, for instance. Uh, between Baked Alaska and the Infernal Lounge in front of the uh, Astoria Brewing Company, we would all be very disappointed with that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would, I would vote for no building in the urban core. Thank you. Uh, Bruce, what's your thoughts on the development at the riverfront? Yeah, riverfront development and, and hotels, I think, was your question. Let's talk about hotels. So I hear people saying, you know, we've got too many hotels. How many hotels is enough? And I, I don't know how many t hotels is enough. I think we need to quantify that. I, I tend, you know, emotionally, I tend to agree with that sentiment. We have too many hotels, but I think it's our responsibility to quantify, you know, how many, how many lodging, commercial lodging rooms is enough. And I think that we should look closely at, uh, at some rezoning. Uh, I would love to see uh, uh, on the waterfront on the South Slope, I would love to see us look at uh, a rezoning process for where currently we allow uh, commercial lodging and residential apartments uh, to be rezoned for residential uh, only and not I don't think we need a 90 room hotel on the South Slope I think we need 90 apartments on the South Slope that would help ease the uh, the housing crunch but it's about a nine-month process process if you fast-track it to make that kind of change on the riverfront itself uh, uh, riverfront vision plan my sense of the riverfront vision plan is it's a very balanced document it provides in there for open spaces, it provides for new development, it provides for repurposing of existing buildings. Uh, the urban core, obviously the most urban of the four areas in the Riverfront Vision Plan, also calls for some new buildings, some repurposing, and also the preservation of open spaces. And I think the best way to answer you know, exactly how much of each there should be is by getting the community input. I, I'm not going to try to dictate that and that's exactly what the city's doing through the process that's currently in place there's been two public meetings at least there will be a series of, of more public meetings uh, through the spring both where the Planning Commission will have meetings open to the public and City Council will have meetings open to the public to give us your input so we can get the right mix uh, for what the city wants thank you yeah um, what uh what do you see as the future of riverfront development? Do you support additional hotels and tourism-focused development along the riverfront? Um, you know, once again, the Bruce has said that you know you do have to listen to the people, and that's and that's right. I mean, uh, what what I think isn't necessarily what the people think. Um, I, I don't want any more hotels in the town right now. I think that we're really having a hard time kind of wrapping around our minds around the amount of growth we have and what kind of community it's going to leave us with if it, if it continues. I think most of us, I mean, I think a lot of people would like it to slow down so that we can deal with a lot of pressing social issues. I know the race is that if we make more money that we'll, ha we'll be able to address the social issues that we're having a problem with the whole nation, the whole Northwest is having a problem with in the nation. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, I, I just don't trust that. I, I think that, th that these hotels uh, would just make our town more crowded, more unlivable, uh, more tourists. I've seen what happened at Cannon Beach. I used to enjoy going to Cannon Beach. I, I don't enjoy going to Cannon Beach. I'm not saying maybe you can't put the cork back in the bottle. 
Um, but in, in general, yeah, no, I, I don't want any more hotels. That's how I feel about it, but it still has to be something that other, other people, uh, it's their town. They Thank get you. to make the decision. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, the next question is for you, Bruce. Explain how you ensure that Astoria is an inclusive and welcoming community to all individuals. Well, I think it's one of the greatest uh, assets this community has is how welcoming it is. I know that when we moved here uh, a little over seven years ago, we were embraced by the community. As soon as uh, we were asked to participate in a, a few nonprofit groups as volunteers, we found that you know our arms were wrapped around us and we were brought in and drawn into the community. And uh, certainly, I have, uh, you know, as a straight white male, I can, if I can speak from the outside looking in, I, my sense uh, from members of the LGBTQ community that I know is that I have heard uh, many say that this is a very welcoming community, and that's something I think we should all be uh, extremely proud of. Um, I will say personally, uh, you're going to ask us a failure about what's our weakness tonight? Or should I just spit one out? I can't, I can't, I can't tell you that. Okay, so I'll, I'll, you know, I, I, personally, uh, I, I have not reached out uh, to the Hispanic community as I would like to have, and I would like to do that, uh, and, and certainly in the very near future, and as mayor, it's certainly an obligation. Um, but uh, I think uh, passing the inclusivity resolution uh, with Mayor uh, Lemire's leadership uh, about a year and a half ago, I think was a, a great step, even though it does not carry any legal ramifications. It was a, it was a symbolic uh, statement to the entire community that we are very much opposed to any sort of uh, discrimination or uh, unfavorable treatment of any group, no matter what their background is, and that we do want to be inclusive to all members of our community, regardless of their national origin, their racial or ethnic, religious, sexual orientation, or otherwise. Uh, certainly, uh, Astoria's uh, Pride Fest, uh, which uh, some folks right here are very heavily involved in, has, I think, been a hallmark for the community and attracts people from, from well beyond our bounds, and I think it's a great thing for the city that we have the, the, the Pride uh, Fest here and have so many people come to Astoria and say, wow, this really is a welcoming and open and, uh, and, uh, and diverse uh, welcoming community. Obviously, as I look at uh, all the faces out there and the faces here, we don't maybe look all that diverse. Uh, we're diverse in our own way, but certainly just being, being welcoming of people to come to Astoria, I think is very important. Thank you. Um, along that lines, you know, uh, Bruce mentioned the Hispanic community. Uh, the Hispanic community is under attack by no less than our President of the United States and, and the GOP. And it's a terrible, horrible thing that these people are being vilified, you know, for, for things that aren't true. They're being vilified. It's, and it's racial xenophobia. Um, in that regard, you know, uh, but the most highly stigmatized people in our community are not people of color. They're the homeless. Um, they're the people that look like the homeless. Uh, I, I know a gentleman. I've heard a, st a story of a gentleman who works on our river. He works on a boat. He's from a family that's been here forever working on the river. But he looks really, really sketchy. And he's had people tell him, we don't like your kind here. Right, um, I think uh, you know my friend Mike Cook is uh, he's 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 a, he's a, he lives on he's a homeless downtown he's he looks paralyzed he's not but he's in a wheelchair he's got some pain issues and he's terrified a lot of times of just going into a business because he doesn't like the the way that people look at him 
Um, if I was going to promote inclusivity, um, the money that goes to the Astoria Chamber of Commerce that they use for advertising to, to promote our town, I would be certain that it's, that it's promoted in communities of color, um, that it's promoted across, across um, all economic classes, you know, that money that advertises in Spanish. But mostly, it's, it's this, this constant, constant leadership of reminding people because we all kind of reflexively kind of come to, come to our own. Uh, the, it's the leadership of the community always reminding people that everybody's human, that we're all, you know, rowing the same boat. Thank, thank you very much. Dulcie. Uh, I agree with Bruce that when I came to Astoria and uh, started participating in the community, uh, I was surprised that uh, so many people are so very friendly and I try to reciprocate that to anybody that comes into my store or anybody that I meet on the street. So, so considering uh, uh, being inclusive and diverse is uh, kind of part of my nature. That being said, that uh, there's also that factor of um, that we are predominantly a white community. Our schools are predominantly white children with a, with a very small percentage of um, uh, any other uh, ethnicity in there. And I wonder if we could not do a little better in um, imagining if we had teachers of, uh, of different ethnicities working in our schools, could we encourage more um, diversity in our communities just by people moving here because people might be afraid of being all uh, moving to it. I mean, not knowing how wonderful our community is and how, how generous and kind we are might, it, from the outside, it might look like we are a little sketchy in the friendliness factor, um, considering that our, uh, not, um, our predominantly white uh, population. Um, the, uh, I sat on a committee uh, with uh, Norma Herman Hernandez, it was the first time I ever met her. She um, scared me a little bit, but she uh, was fascinating, and uh, she has taught me so much about uh, the Hispanic culture and how to be, uh, how to think like a Puerto Rican, actually. But uh, and uh, and we kind of started the started um, talking with the mayors and different people in town about. Uh, a diversity committee, and I was very happy to to throw my you know s limited nugget into that um, uh, project. Thank you very much. Okay, Sasha, this question is for you. Recreation and cultural activities are an important part of the quality of life in Astoria. What role does the city have in supporting these pursuits? Did you say recreation? Yes. Um, well. The most important thing when it comes to reaction, the, 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 the group that we're ignoring are our young, our youth. Um, as a matter of fact, Iceland has done this just remarkable uh, lowering of drug and alcohol use, basically through providing things for students and, young, and youth to do. Um, Astoria is a great town for tourists. It's a great time to buy some marijuana. It's a great time to have a beer. But it sucks when you're 20 and 19 and 18. There's very little to do. Um, and we need to develop the facility and the places and incentivize the facility that these places to, uh, for the youth to get involved. I also think that we need to empower the youth. I think that we need to put more youth, get more youth on our boards. I think that they don't, they don't vote, they don't participate because, you know, people always aren't giving them chance 
to, to participate, to get excited about something. And I would love, I, I'm always, all these boards I want to create, I, I would love to give a chunk of money for a, a group of young people to spend on a project they feel that's important in the community so that they're active and engaged in our political uh, structure. So when it comes to recreation, I think that the older generation is pretty good. Um, but I think that that critical age, those high schoolers and those young adults uh, under the 21 years of age, they, they uh, you, in the summer, yeah, it's gorgeous. There's lots of places to go. But in the winter, there's, there's not anything to do. Uh, Bruce? Yeah, so the, the need for uh, adequate recreational opportunities, especially for children in our community, is the reason that I uh, let uh, Jake Jacobs and uh, Greg Peterson and Sean Fitzpatrick uh, talk me into joining the board of the Friends of the Astoria Armory four and a half years ago, and it's why I'm still on the board with... Uh, with Sean and um, President Mike Davies up there today. The Astoria Army is one of those few places where when the weather's inclement, kids have someplace indoors to go and do something that's healthy and fun. Uh, you know, roller skating. So we're open every Friday night from five to nine. Please come by. Um, certainly uh, supporting our Parks and Recreation Department, uh, working with Mr. Estes to, uh, as he works to hire a replacement, uh, a permanent replacement for Ms. Cosby to uh, ensure the, the parks are funded adequately and uh, supporting the Aquatic Center, which is just a marvelous and amazing facility uh, that it, it was a very visionary thing for the city to build it those many years ago, although it wasn't very visionary of them to build it without putting a funding stream in place for it, which is why we've had some of the, the difficulties that we've had. Um, certainly the library, you said the recreation and cultural opportunities. Um, the library is one of the most important cultural uh, assets for the community and especially for children, which you know again circles back to why I support uh, the Library Foundation in their effort to raise money to complete the library uh, renovation uh, project. Uh, the Liberty Theater would be another great example of a cultural institution which has the opportunity to uh, to give our youth and as, as well as the adults uh, musical and other entertainment and cultural education that they would never get otherwise in a town of 10,000 people. Thank you. Dulce. Well, from the moment I um, sat on the board of the Downtown Association, we've been thinking about how we, um, how do we get youth to come downtown particularly and then what do they do once they get down there? Unfortunately, there's not a lot to do downtown for someone under 21. Um, but I suggest that maybe, Chris, you could give uh, some free passes out to Patriot Hall perhaps and um, to some of those youth that I'm just throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, okay. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah, there we go. Um, um, but I mean the 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 Aquatic Center, uh, Patriot Hall, these kind of things are a little spendy. So I mean there are the 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 Story Parks and Recs Foundation raises money just to give um, special dispensation to people that want to use those the Aquatic Center. So it's not um, it's not a really crazy idea to consider that there's a possibility that that there's some uh, goodness that can come from the college as well. Um, youth on the board on boards I think it's so important to uh, to encourage um, uh, high school students in particular 
to work within our community and so that we can understand what they want. We know that, that we always hear this millennial, we don't know what millennials want, what are they, what are they thinking, what are they doing? And um, if we would talk to them more often, perhaps we would understand. I have a couple of um, high school students on my campaign committee and uh, I'm fascinated by what they have to talk about even when they don't think I'm listening. Um, and maybe a bowling league. I'm just saying. Bowling's fun. <laughs> okay, thank you. This is our, our final question. And um, uh, Dulcie, this will go, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you think your opponent's strengths would be should they be elected mayor? So imagine a world in which you lose, which I know that's difficult for you to do. But uh, what do you think the strengths of Bruce and Sasha would be? What would they bring to the table as mayor? Do you think it would, I think it'd have to be Bruce and Sasha together. Um, wow, that's a hard, uh, that's hard to, uh, that seems like a Steve Forrester question. Did he submit that? Well, I, I'll start with Bruce. Um, I know that Bruce is a good man. I know that he cares for Astoria. I've seen him on city council. He's made some hard decisions, and he's also made some decisions that I had some questions about. But he's a guy that I can go and say, hey, what's up with that, and why did you, why did you decide that that's how you were going to vote? So I realized that he would probably be a good mayor. Um, but I'm voting for someone else, quite frankly. <laughs> um, Sasha, um, I, I totally enjoy Sasha, and he is, I really think he has some great ideas, and I enjoy his passion and his dedication to uh, people that he thinks that we're not seeing. Um, um, I, I'm seeing some of the same people, so I'm just telling you that that's true. Um, Sasha would, uh, I suspect that Sasha would, uh, no, I'm, I'm going there right now. Sasha would run screaming from the city council chambers if he had to deal with more than one hour of city council on a, every two days a month, plus the work sessions, plus all the other stuff they have to do. So, so if you do not get elected mayor, I think you should just thank your lucky stars. <laughs> Sasha, you can go ahead and go next. Uh, well, first of all, um, it, it's not, you know, the, I like to see the best in people. Um, I often scream at people uh, because I, 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 I love them and they don't know it. Uh, so uh, it's easy to see Bruce. I mean, it would, it would, it's just, um, part of it's not right if either one of these individuals loses to me. That just doesn't seem the way the life is supposed to work. Um, but uh, so Bruce has a lot of accomplishments, a lot of experience uh, uh, in his life with working within a structure, with wrapping his mind around the bureaucracy and how the machine works and looking at all, you know, he's very prepared and he understands the bureaucracy, and I think he'd work very well. Um, I, 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 he's been very genial to me. I haven't seen, I, he's been genial to others. Um, I think he does care about Astoria, um, and uh, so, you know, I, 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 you know, I think he's, he would be a good, a, a good mayor. Uh, 
in what people expect from a mayor, what they generally expect from a mayor, which isn't what I want. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm gonna, am I missing something? Mm. Keep, keep going. Okay, okay, so now Dulcie, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with uh, Dulcie, so I've seen, I've seen uh, her very energized and warm effort to get out and meet the community and meet all the, the different parts about it. Um, I know a couple of friends of mine are frightened of her, uh, but <laughs> I, I think a lot of people are frightened of strong women. They still don't know how to deal with it. Um, uh, Dulcie is, a, you know, she's a real humanist. I, I think she really cares. I think she, uh, you know, might not, she's better at, far, certainly better and more willing to wrap her head around bureaucracies than I, I would be. Um, I think that she would be, uh, she says she's a consensus maker. I spent uh, a year in a park uh, during the Occupy moving, working on consensus. Um, I, I don't believe her. <laughs> I think she does a, a good job of listening and, and finding a middle ground. Um, and uh, yeah, I think she'd be a wonderful mayor. And I think that both these people are, are, are wonderful citizens and I thank our mayor um, for her good efforts. Bruce. Yeah, so I like uh, Sasha and Dulcie both a lot, and I'm really happy to be sharing the, uh, the table with you both tonight. And uh, you both do a great deal for Astoria in very, in very different ways. I didn't know Sasha until uh, I entered the mayor's race, and we met each other at, I think the first time was at the Astoria Warming Center. We both went to a board meeting there, attended the meeting, and then we went outside afterwards and talked for a good while. And I found Sasha to be, well, first of all, he was not naked. And I was warned, he was the naked protester, which I admire you for your courage. But no, in, in, all, in all seriousness, I found Sasha to be extraordinarily passionate. He has a great heart, and he's really smart. And uh, I think he'd be a very good mayor if he were not genetically indisposed to attending meetings and bureaucracy. But that is part of the job. But no, I, and, and Sasha's strengths, he's... He's very smart, and he cares about the city deeply, and he's very passionate. Um, uh, Dulcie is a, has given so much to the community um, in her efforts with the Downtown Association, with her own small business, with all the different uh, volunteer efforts that she participates in, whether it's the 0K run. It rained. Too bad the weather didn't clear up sooner. Um, Dulcie's a huge cheerleader for our whole downtown, which is an integral part of the city. And she's, um, you know, she loves, she loves the same things about Astoria that we all love, and she's a huge uh, proponent of Astoria. So, you know, both of, uh, both of my opponents have, have great strengths and are very good people. Thank you very much. Um, now we'll have uh, an opportunity for each of the candidates to give uh, some closing remarks. And I think we had the order. Uh, Sasha, I believe you're first. Uh, yeah, I am first. You can come to the podium if you like. Oh. You don't yeah. have to. Like a little bit more warning. Uh, you know, I could give some closing remarks, and I guess there's a lot of things that I would like to talk about. And uh, the thing about it is, is that, you know, my, my brain constantly creates new ideas. So a lot of people, when I'm talking about, well, we could do this, and they say, well, that's not possible because blah, 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 blah. They don't know that there's like 999 ideas behind that. 
and um, one of them will work. Um, but I want, I want to talk about, just for a minute before closing, um, what it's like to be in a small community. Uh, I, I know Josh Marquis is up there, and in many ways, philosophically, he's my enemy, you know? Um, in some ways, he's been trying to put me in jail his whole life, I, I might think. Um, but I still care about him. Um, I, I, you know, Jones over here, and I, I want to tell a story about when I was a young man. Uh, I was a young man. I was in love with Lori Lynn Wilkinson. I was going to the school. Uh, I was a big writer. I, I, I rode from Seaside to Astoria every day, and my girlfriend asked me to go check a bike out with her. So I walked into uh, Jones' uh, Bikes and Beyond, and everything I said, she contradicted. And, <laughs> and it was just, it hurt me. It really, it hurt me. And that's what it's like to live in a community. We, we're, we shape each other every single day. We're shaping each other. Um, and it's hard. I'm terrible. I have just laid waste to so many people because I get somewhat, I wouldn't say autistic, but I, I internalize so much in my life. Um, I, I really hope that, you know, as a community going forward, that, you know, the greatest journey you have is getting to know the complexity of another person, you know. Um, I am just amazed. I am always amazed. I've, I've got this redneck, uh, 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 April and Brandon are kind of these, uh, they're, they're conservatives, and, and Brandon lives, lives, uh, listens to a lot of Rush Limbaugh. He's my neighbor, and they have a little daycare there. Um, uh, but they're the youth, you know, so I always remember the future belongs to them and I do everything I can to help them and I see what I love about Brandon, you know, I see his, his, his struggle in life and his wife and, you know, what they're looking forward to. Um, and so, you know, I am rabidly anti-Trump and GOP, uh, but I still care about every single person in the GOP party. Um, I, and I think that, you know, we could, we could do better in our community and just, you know, taking that really great journey of getting to know each other. All right? That's all I have to say. Thank you. Chelsea, I think you're up next. Hello. Thank you for being here again. Um, most of us have similar ideas. Most of the people sitting at this table have similar ideas of the uh, issues facing our town. And uh, that's really not surprising because they're pretty gigantic issues and, and certainly need some attention. Uh, I know that my workings with the city, through my workings with the city, that uh, city government moves slower than we like. Uh, the key, in my opinion, is to map out a strategic course uh, with a grand achievable vision, and grand being the key word there, and some low-hanging fruit that, can that we can continually chip away at until we reach our, um, our final vision. That vision is yet to be identified and creates a sense of unbalance in our whole community. What are we, where are we, and where do we want to go? I have some experience in imagining um, things. That's kind of what I did most of my, uh, my job, as I call it, uh, in the downtown association, is imagining how we could have a town that is vital and beautiful and welcoming and warm. Um, uh, I would uh, like to use that experience 
to uh, to look at all of Astoria and imagine what we could be and and take care of some of the challenges that we face. Um, this is not the first time in our history that we have faced challenges and we've discussed many of them tonight. I encourage you to uh, find me on Facebook and if you would like to talk to me further about anything that I think and like and believe or um, the Daily A has posted some uh, meet and greet meetings that I encourage you to come to and um, chat and meet some of your citizens. I've had a great time uh, with some house parties and small groups of people that um, all want good things for Astoria and uh, I'd like to help us all get there. Thank you very much. Wow, so my first debate, I was not in debate club in high school, so this is great. Thanks, Chris, for, and all the sponsors for hosting this event. And I'd like to thank my fellow candidates, too, for all that you do for Astoria. We've had some serious uh, discussions tonight about a number of policy issues. Now I'll take a minute to move from policy to personal and tell you about what drives me. I'll start by introducing the three most important women in my life, my mother, Jane, my sister, Paige, and my wife, Linda, here. Linda and I spent the better part of three decades raising three boys and trying every day to model the values we believe in. Honesty, hard work, kindness, integrity, and empathy. Those three boys are now young men of 22, 26, and 29 who have chosen careers in public service as first responders and their loving fathers and uncles to our four grandchildren. For 30 years, I lived at the Coast Guard's core values of honor, respect, and devotion to duty. Those words mean something to me. They're words to live by. If you live by those words, you don't commit abuse. You don't harass. You don't abuse public office or the public trust. Like many of you, I'm appalled at the erosion of these values and the divisiveness and partisan rancor which bombards us daily on social media and in the news. I have no interest in running for national office, but I can try to make a difference in my little corner of the world here by bringing the values I believe in to public office. When I ran my first large oil spill response exercise as an incident commander in Wisconsin, one of the fire chiefs from a neighboring jurisdiction pulled me aside and said only the Coast Guard could get all these fire departments and police departments together on one team. You guys just don't have an agenda. We trust you. That insightful comment summarized the leadership ethos I learned in the Coast Guard. Be an honest broker. Be transparent. Do the right thing without regard to politics. People choose to do all kinds of things with their spare time. Some go fishing, some watch the tube, some go out drinking. I like public service. That's what I'm choosing to do with my time. I want the Astoria of 25 years from now to still be a great place to grow up and to work if you stay here or come back to after college. I want us to have a quality school system, a wonderful library, and enough childcare options that every parent who wants to can work. I want Astoria to be an inclusive city where all feel welcome and valued. 
I want it still to be the place where there are more volunteers per capita than just about any place I know. And I don't want it to look like Hillsboro or Lincoln City. I spent a career getting stuff done. If you elect me mayor, beginning in January, we will get stuff done. I will hit the ground running. I'm ready to be your mayor. Thank you. So that concludes this evening's activities. Uh, let's uh, give one more round of applause for all the candidates, please. I know that I feel any one of these individuals would do an excellent job. Thank you for listening to Coast Community Radio's coverage of the Astoria, Oregon Mayor's Debate. Find more coverage of local politics on our podcast page at coastradio.org.